0: Our gospel reading today is from the Gospel of John in the 12th chapter. I'm going to be reading it from the NAL, NLT version this morning, but you can follow along in the few Bibles there or on, uh, on your phones. But I invite you to stand as you're able for this reading. Our gospel begins in John chapter 12, beginning in the first verse. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold in the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. For it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. An old story, parable, if you will, I read this week in reference to this text as a picture for what we see in the gospel today. I decided you may have heard it so many times I'd rewrite it a bit, maybe modernize it some. But I bet before I get to the end of its retelling, you'll recall its conclusion, even if some of the details... Have changed. It's about a young American couple. We'll call her Della and call him Jim, and they were very poor, but very much in love. However, even in their poverty, they both owned a a unique possession. Della's was her vinyl music collection. She loved the beautiful imperfections as she listened on her small record player in the living room. It was somehow made the music more real compared to the clarity of today's digital perfection. Jim, on the other hand, had an antique watch passed down to him from his father. A gift he cherished, even if it was no longer wearable, the band had long since broken. It was the day before Christmas, and Della had exactly $20.87 to buy her beloved a present. And without hesitation, she packed up those vinyl records, brought them out to the car, and sold them so that she could buy him something special. And She bought a platinum band for Jim's precious watch. When Jim came home that night and saw the empty shelves where the records once were adorned, he was stunned. I bet you see where this is going. He then carefully and slowly carried in a much bulkier gift from the car. He'd gone to an antique store that day and bought a mid-century turntable console, you know, with the tubes and everything, so that his wife could listen to her uh, beloved vinyl records, and you guessed it, he paid for it by selling his antique watch. You know the story of this couple is a picture of extravagant love. It's it's almost a tragedy as you see it coming, right? Oh no! And yet it's marked with not only extravagant love that warms your heart, but also reckless sacrifice. I'm guessing you felt some of that love and uncomfortability all at the same time. And yet there was still beauty in the sacrifice. Well, this story illustrates, I think, what we encounter in the gospel today. God's extravagant love, foreshadowed by Mary, all pointing towards the cross. And as we heard from the Apostle Paul this morning who writes, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Talk about reckless, extravagant sacrifice and love so that we might be saved not through our wisdom or strength but the very power of God. Did you catch that? The power of God is revealed in the cross. It's shocking, really. The cross as an instrument of redemption would be seen and seemed crazier than any April Fool's prank you might have experienced this weekend. Today's gospel, ironically, therefore, begins at a party, a party that points to the cross. Today's gospel is six days before the Passover and the institution of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper that will enjoy this table of grace today. Today's gospel is a foreshadow for what Christ is about to do. And today's gospel is a contrast between characters Today's gospel is a road sign that points us back towards the cross. In the preceding chapter, we learned that Lazarus has been raised from the dead, and Jesus is now back in Bethany for this party in his honor and the celebration of what he's done. And so the scene is set. Now, according to uh, Mark and Matthew, in their accounts of the story, we know that it's at Simon the leper's home, or should I say Simon the former leper, because Jesus had healed him. And Martha's doing her thing. She's making a feast. And good friends are gathering around to honor Jesus, who just, by the way, one of them came back from the dead. It's a party that we get a window into our own hearts as the characters therein have different motives and they're contrasted between Mary and Judas and then again Mary and the chief priests, between belief and unbelief, between following Jesus and not following Jesus, between a faith that has a cross and a faith that avoids it. So let's step into the scene and see where we find ourselves. I like how one commentator imagined this scene. I mean, just imagine they're in the living room visiting at this party and you can just hear Simon the leper saying, it was so amazing, the scabs came off, my fingers grew back, and then there's Lazarus, right? Oh, that's nothing, Simon. I was dead for four days. I was in heaven and then the Lord called me back. in the midst of that, Mary shows up. She's so grateful for what Jesus has done for her brother to bring him back. She pulls out this expensive perfume that the Scripture says was worth a year's wages. Now imagine how much you make in a year. And if you had a bottle of perfume worth that amount... Are you prepared today to pour that out before the feet of Christ? Extravagant, reckless, grateful. This heart yearning to worship Him and thank Him. Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Mark, when Mark tells this story, that this Scene is crucial. In fact, Jesus says this, And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Well, here we are. And this is where the contrasts begin. But to understand what's being set up here, I want you to uh, step back for a moment with me before we Jump in any further and look at a little context. Some scholars think that this chapter in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, has had, gotten jumbled a bit that some parts of the chapter should be first and some parts should be last and some should be in the middle. In, ver- in fact, many scholars think that verses 19 through 29 actually introduce this section of chapter 12 that lead into the reading that we read today. And so listen to this, these verses from 25 and following as an introduction to what Mary's doing. These are words from Jesus. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. honor him. And then, here comes Mary, right? Serving the Christ. And right away, what happens? We get a comparison between Mary's reaction of gratitude and extravagant sacrifice as she pours out this anointing perfume on His feet. And we know from Matthew and Mark, on His head too. But then there's Judas. I mean, jealous much, right? Greedy? Selfishness instead of gratitude? Oh, he's good at covering up. He feigns interest for the poor when he's really thinking about himself. Jesus, by the way, would have none of it. Jesus saying that the poor will always be with you is really quoting from Deuteronomy 15, First, to let them know, hey, I'm not, not concerned about the poor. Because after that, Deuteronomy 15 says, with the poor who's always with you, have your hands open and generous. So Jesus isn't, concern, isn't saying not to be concerned about the poor. He's using Judas to point to something else. He's saying, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to the cross. He's foreshadowing what he's going to do. And he rebukes Judas both in his feigning for the poor and his misunderstanding of the gratitude and anointing and burial preparation that Mary is doing. How often is that true of you and I? That we're more concerned about what we want and how we see things and how we want to make ourselves look good than celebrating and having gratitude for what God is doing in others or what God is doing in general. And then there's Mary and the chief priests as we get down to verses 8, 9, and following. You see, Jesus didn't fit into their plan for power. And neither did the evidence. Another commentator put it like this, from the opposition point of view, this was absolutely devastating. Anytime your star witness is a resurrected corpse, you have a pretty good case in this instance, right? For the validity of Jesus being the Christ. How often are we confronted by truth? Whether it's truth about us, truth about God, and instead of receiving it humbly, we get defensive, not unlike those chief priests. making an excuse for it. It's easy to see how they tried to reshape the story. Well, we do the same thing. Trying to make truth out into our own interest. But Mary will have none of that. She doesn't just ignore the truth. She embraces it. She anoints Him. She honors the Christ. How often do you and I just give lip service to that? And so she is embodying these words of Christ to follow him and to serve him and to honor him. Jesus paints a stark contrast between a follower and these lip service type of Christians. How often do I, how often do you fall into that category too? But there's something else here that John wants us to see. He has this sentence, The house was filled with the fragrance of the ointment. You see, Mary's sacrifice and anointing was a foreshadow to the sacrifice, the greater sacrifice that Christ was about to do. Her lavish anointing was a foretaste to the lavish grace that God was about to pour out on us through the cross through his own sacrifice. We come to this table of grace today to remember and receive that promise. Will our homes, like the one we've been reading about in John chapter 12, will our hearts be so grateful and filled with the fragrance of Christ? as that home was filled with the fragrance of that anointing, if your heart and your home isn't like that, as all of ours often fall short, then come humbly receiving today. Don't be defensive like Judas or the chief priests. Let this new Passover, this new covenant of grace renew and restore you and fill you again with God's promised salvation. Here we have a picture of a room full of changed lives. Simon the leper, Lazarus, Martha, Mary, and all the rest. All because Jesus would go to the cross. So it's not about you or what you've attained or what you know. It's about what Christ has done The fragments of Christ gets seen in transformed lives. And even though the chief priests tried to ignore the evidence, sometimes we stumble over ourselves. I read about a young alcoholic man who was challenged by his friends. How is it that you're now believing all these miracles. You're a sensible guy. How can you believe in all that stuff? He's like, well, I'm not sure how to explain it, but I can tell you this. In my home, where there was once beer, there's now furniture. Transformed lives. And that transformation comes through the cross. And like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, let's Set our minds on Christ and on Christ crucified so that our faith would not be based on human wisdom, but on the power of God. So wherever you're at, grateful or low or broken, come repenting, come confessing Christ, come to this, the Lord's table, and taste and see that the Lord is good, and let the fragrance of Christ Follow you. Amen.